This is GKW. Welcome into another edition of Good Karma Wrestling. I'm Gabe Nitzel from ESPN Milwaukee, along with Jay Hood, Jonathan Hood from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. You might be able, you can barely see the palm trees in the background as he kind of rubs it in the faces of oh. the other two guys who happen to be located in the Midwest. It's, oh, yeah, man. it's just so cruel. <laughs> Oh, it's draft right. night. It's not guys. No, it's like seventy-eight. It's below eighty. It's a little cool tonight. Oh, you know, might have to oh. throw a sweater on later. Oh, Brian, yeah, you bastard! Stay, stay, you stay bastard. warm. Hey, stay warm, Brian. That is, but that is definitely my number one concern tonight. Is that you stay warm in the seventy-eight degrees? I know it can get a little, uh, you know, a little chilly down the there concern. in South Florida. Uh, but as Brian mentioned, it is draft night. It is draft night. So I know typically. Uh, especially Jay Hood looks at us at us this way as the pregame into impact, but instead we're probably going to be the pregame <laughs> into most of your uh, viewing of the NFL draft in your respective markets as everybody's getting ready for that. Always an exciting night. So we thought we'd have a draft of our own, a little bit of fun here on GKW with a draft. We're just going to do a quick three-round draft where if we were starting a wrestling company, what wrestlers would we be taking? Who would we want at the top of our rosters? Brian, you have the rules. You have the order. So how is tonight going to work on the GKW draft? All right, guys. We're going to do three rounds. You can take wrestlers. Tag teams will do WWE draft style. Tag teams count as one. And the draft order, it's very scientific here, guys. It's reverse alphabetical order. So it'll go J-Hood one, Gabe two, and then I will go third. And then we'll snake it. We'll come back around fantasy football style. Ah, uh, yes. I get the first pick. Overall, in the world of wrestling, okay, guys, with the first pick, Team J-Hood takes Roman Reigns, WWE champion. Uh, he is he means so much to the business right now. And as we've talked about here on GKW, we're seeing the best of Roman Reigns because it's really himself. Uh, with Paul Heyman, it's enhanced even more. His battle with Brock Lesnar was great, but he's the best version of Roman Reigns we've seen. He's my number one pick. If if I'm going next, my number one pick, I'm going to go with his WrestleMania opponent in Roman, excuse me, in Brock Lesnar. Because Brock Lesnar, anytime that he appears on television in WWE, it is a big deal. It has been a big deal since he came back in 2012. So for the past decade, which, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that it's been that long that he's been back for the second run with WWE. He has been in main events. He continues to push. He continues to be the guy on WWE, and I think if I'm starting a wrestling company, I need a huge marketable guy. And after Roman Reigns, to me, number two has got to be uh, Brock Lesnar. All right. So, guys, I'm going to go back-to-back here. I got my first and second round. I'm also going to go that Mania route. It's the name we talked about a bunch, and I think also maybe we get some of the old-school fans. I'm going to go Cody Rhodes at number one. I think the last name carries so much weight. I think he's sort of – it's push the right way he can do that crossover appeal and we can see him sort of go mainstream i'm gonna go cody with my number one pick and then at number two it might be a little bit of a reach but a good wrestling needs a good heel you need someone that you want to see that baby don't do it to me up. don't do it to me brian don't I'm do it to me the best heel in the game i'm going mjf the way he can cut a promo, his age, the kid has endless potential. He's not even 25 yet. So Cody, my first round, and then MJF to start the second round. Yeah, I was really hoping I'd be able to grab MJF in my spot here because, and, and to me, you, you hit on the most important part there. 
Like everybody is looking for these young stars. Like WWE blew up NXT, which we talked a lot about last week. If you happen to miss it, make sure you check it out, download it wherever you get your podcasts, GKW. Um, but we talked about it. like they, they blew up NXT because they want to get younger. They want to get these younger stars. And the fact that AEW has MJF under 25 years old doing the things that he does. I mean, he is just going to be a huge star. He's going to absolutely blow up. Uh, so since MJF is off the board here, I'm going to want to build up my women's division. I am going to go Becky Lynch here as my number two pick because I think she is the most marketable star in women's wrestling. We're going to talk more about her comments on AEW versus WWE women. But I want to make sure I've got a strong women's division. And to me, that starts with one Becky Lynch, who had a WWE championship. And I know she missed about nine months there, you know, 10, 11 months um, that she was off for her pregnancy. But she doesn't appear on WWE television without a championship. She did it on Monday for about the first time in three years. So, I mean, everybody's making a big deal and understandably so about the run that Roman's on with being uninterrupted as a champion. Becky had a very impressive run of her own. Okay, boy, there's so much left on the board here. So much left on the board. Guys, I can go women's division. I can go, uh, you know what? I'm going Brian Danielson. I'm going Brian Danielson. I can make the argument that Brian Danielson has got the best wrestling going on right now that we've seen in a long time. Uh, being part of this, uh, this faction that he's part of right now, I think it's cool. But you've seen Danielson. He pushed Adam Page to the limit, right? And we've seen him in a couple of matches. He's in a position right now where I don't think that he's in the twilight of his career. I think he still has another five, seven years left in his career if he wants it. I think he's, I think he's in shape. I think that because of the time off, it, it actually gave him more time here on the back end. So I'm going Brian Danielson, or as he was called in AEW last night, Daniel Bryan, by God. Uh, <laughs> that's a weird slip also, because it's not like JR was around and calling him that. <laughs> I mean, JR was kind of in and out a little bit. He he was there for some of it, not all of it. It's, I guess. I mean, not at the peak, but... I mean, he, you got to remember, he was kind of floating in and out. Like, he came in, he called that WrestleMania match in 27 uh, okay. between Michael Cole and and uh, Jerry the King Waller. So, yeah, JR was kind of in and out. Fine. All right. Is it back to me now? In the back to you. you to start round three. First pick of the third round. Gabe, there's a lot on the board, man. There's there's a lot there. <laughs> Ryan, you got a lot Ryan, of choices. Two. Only six wrestlers gone. But you only got one pick left. Uh you know what? I'm going to take, I got Reigns, I got Danielson. I'm going to keep it going as far as popularity and a guy that can go. Will Ospreay. Hmm. Will Ospreay, New Japan Pro Wrestling. How about that? Will Is Will that Ospreay. like an FCS pick? Is that how that works? You went to small school there in the third round? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went small school, but the guy packs a punch, man. Oh, hey, he was fun. Hey, He's fun to watch. Yeah. Will Ospreay, I'm going. I'm going there. I had, I had Okada, but I, but I don't know how much good wrestling we have left. Osprey, I think, because of the UK brand, him wrestling in the independents. I, if I put him on my in, on my roster, I think he'd really pay dividends. I think he'd be great. So with this third pick, now I'm, I'm again. There's a lot on the board. Like, do I, I? John Moxley is one of my absolute favorites. CM Punk, I know can act, can go, but I mean, be, these guys are a little bit older. You know, Punk's on the other side of forty. Mox is thirty six. 
That's why I really wanted MJF. I wanted to solidify a younger superstar. So do I go with someone like Jungle Boy? Do I go with someone like Darby Allen? I think I'm going to go with the guy who surprisingly ended up selling more t-shirts than CM Punk and ended CM Punk's reign atop the AEW merchandise chart. I'm sending Hook. I am going to put Hook on here as my number three. I think that this kid has a ton of potential. I think that he, I mean, people love him. They're into him. He's already selling the merch. I, he, I mean, he obviously has a lot more to prove in the ring, but anytime he pops on your screen, whether it's on a wet, I mean, he popped up on Wednesday last week for the first time on Wednesday. He's been on a lot of Fridays with dynamite on, on uh, rampage for AEW. I am going to send a hook. I am going young and I'm going to hope that the youth can carry me the rest of the way with my number three pick. Wow. That is interesting. I feel like he got a pop last night just being on the screen, but for me, I'm going to sort of go youth also and sort of attract the guys that, you know, rally the interwebs, that YouTube got everyone there. I'm going with the Bucks. I think, you know, they might not be in that main event storyline right now. They're not really front and center. I think they're building towards eventually when Kenny comes back. But the Bucks still have that power, and they are the reason we have AEW today because of BTE, because of their mind. So I got to go to the Bucks and have them there as well. Come on, Brian. Supplemental draft. Supplemental. One more. Supplemental draft. <laughs> One more. It. One more. Go. It's, it's, it's you. It's on you now. What's next? All right. Well, I got my top heel, and it might be a cop-out, but I need a top baby face. I'm going Wardlow. Wardlow is so over right now. I'd say he might be the top baby face in pro wrestling. Like, I don't know if anyone tops him. So I'm going to go Wardlow there in the supplemental draft. Wow. Uh, supplemental draft, I'll just go ahead and grab who I think is probably more over than Wardlow. I don't know if he's a babyface. I don't know if he's heel, but people love it every time he enters the ring at AEW. I'm going Mox. I'm going to go John Moxley as my supplemental. I don't have a woman on here, and I, it's right now for me, it's, and we'll talk about the women's divisions in wrestling in a little bit here on the, on the podcast, but so, Gabe, I need your help. Okay. I want to. I want to go either Charlotte. Yeah. Away from the WWE because I know she's unhappy. So it's so it's Charlotte or Sasha Banks. Sasha to me is not utilized enough. I don't know what's going on with her, but I got a feeling when you do see her, she's in great matches, isn't she? I mean, she's kept oh, yeah. special like she's Andre. It's it's really strange. Yeah. No. I I I would go personally. I would go Sasha. I know that Charlotte Flair. I mean, in terms of WWE legacy, Charlotte Flair is clearly like the top of the women's division when you want to talk about championships and legacy. But I think Sasha Banks, for everything that she does, and she also has that recognizability. I, I think because she started to become more of a crossover star. You know, people know her being associated with Snoop Dogg, with Snoop Dogg being her cousin. She was in The Mandalorian, which is a very popular series on Disney+. Plus. So the things that she does when she crosses over, plus, I mean, the matches that she has are my favorite. Um, I, I just watched recently the, the WWE Evil series where they're kind of highlighting some heels on Peacock, and hers has been my favorite so far. Just, again, hearing her story, her talking about, you know, how she developed her character and the differences between – Sasha and Mercedes, you know, the character versus the actual person. I mean, she's fascinating. And I, I am drawn to her every time I see her in the ring on my television screen. All right. I'm going to go Sasha Banks. So this has been a good, good draft. I mean, there are no bad ones here. Hook, it will be interesting because if they keep putting the rocket was, ship up his backside, it's going to be great. I, I fully admit that that's a reach. But again, I just think that they have uh, – and they've done a nice job with the slow burn with it. 
You know, like, I mean, he was selling T-shirts before he had his first match, made his first appearance in the ring. He was just this cool-looking 21, 22-year-old kid, son of Taz, showing up, eating chips, and, you know, just looking chill. So I, I, now that he, we've seen him a little bit in the ring, he's got some power. Him versus Dan Housen might be the hottest thing in AEW right now. We'll have to wait and see how that all plays out for both of them. But this was a fun exercise. So, okay, let's quickly review our teams. Jay Hood, when you had – with the number one overall pick – who are the four you ended up with on your team? All right. I went with Roman Reigns, Daniel, uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson, Will Ospreay, and Sasha Banks. Uh, I went with Brock Lesnar, Becky Lynch. I'm sending Hook. And I took John Moxley with the supplemental fourth pick. I went with uh, Cody Rhodes, MJF, the Young Bucks, and Wardlow. So if you, whoever you think won this, go ahead and drop it in the comments. We can address those later as we continue here on GKW. But after the opening segment, we now need to take a look at the other three biggest things happening in the world of pro wrestling with our three counts. And we start with number one, Brian. All right, guys. Last night, another big edition of AEW Dynamite. So much happened on the show. But what was your biggest takeaway from Dynamite? Whew, a lot of things to get into. Um, my biggest takeaway, I mean, I was most excited when Ray Phoenix came back because – despite me not taking him in the draft, like I jokingly tell friends all the time that Ray Phoenix is the best wrestler in the world because every time he has a match, he's, he does something that I've never seen any human ever do before. Uh, so I'm excited that he's back. And I think that's going to be fun because the death triangle has really ever since its inception always been disjointed because they came together right before the pandemic started. So then the pandemic, then you don't have pack and then, because the way Ray wrestles, he's injured sometimes, and he's been out a couple of times over the last couple of years, and you have some injuries with Pentagon as well in there. So now, hopefully, they're all healthy back together, and we can see what the Death Triangle can do. But the, the, the strange thing to me, last night on AEW, and I know they had to do this because Hangman Adam Page ended up testing positive for COVID before he wasn't there, but it kind of – the announcement of Punk versus Hangman, it just kind of fell flat to me. You know, just they, they just kind of put Punk on commentary for a great opening match between Cash versus Dax in a qualifier for the Owen Hart tournament. And then they just have Punk kind of cut this rambling kind of disjointed promo a little bit. I, 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 I want to be more excited for it, and I know that the excitement will build once they get uh, the, the AEW champion back actually in the building after he recovers from COVID. But that kind of fell flat for me last night. Yeah, it's what we talked about last week on GKB, um, Dave and Brian. We talked about what's the best CM Punk. The best CM Punk is when there's something on the line, not just for a championship, but just a rivalry. When CM Punk is completely the baby face and the heel, you know, it could be MJF or it could be somebody else. And that's when it's at its best. Baby face versus baby face, I'm not sure how that's going to work. But I agree with you. As we move forward throughout this match or get close to this match, it should rev up big time because we understand the storyline, but how can you keep it interesting and fresh? So I agree with you there. I, I just thought that um, I, I'm watching the ebb and flow of this show. And <laughs> once again, uh, Dante Martin and Brock Anderson are just getting buried. Clearly that's number one. Um, that's funny. That's poor Arn, by the way, there. like poor yeah. Arn. He's like standing <laughs> in the background. He went from being the coach yeah. and the guy that came out with like a play sheet with Cody Rhodes and now yeah. Cody leaves, and he's got to come up with Brock and just stand in the background as his son gets squashed. I feel bad for Arn, man. I mean, I, I thought this was supposed to be the youth movement, and all of a sudden these guys are getting steamrolled every week like they're jobbers. So that's one thing. 
Um, you know, let's go back to what Brian said about, uh, about Wardlow. You know, it's interesting. There's more hype and there's more of an emphasis in Wardlow to the point where I'm thinking, is this guy going to be a future champion soon? I mean, it's one thing for Hangman Page to be a champion, and we know that matchup against CM Punk, and I expect Punk to be champion this year. But you know what, Gabe? I, I looked at this, and I was thinking, Wardlow's so over. This matchup against Lance Archer, Archer took the fall. That's great. But, I mean, when he comes out, there's an explosion for Wardlow. He's one of the most over guys, if not the most over guy in AEW, just based on crowd response and people feeling bad for him and this whole thing with MJF. MJF's eventually going to get squashed in this, but people are really behind him, and that's really good to see. In a, in a cynical wrestling world, here's a baby face that's really getting over with like like almost 100% approval for Wardlow when he comes out there. So that's great. Um, and then, of course, the TNT Championship with Scorpio Sky and Sammy Guevara. So, you know, Sammy Guevara does this thing where he puts his, his finger to his temple and says, I'm crazy, I'm crazy. Well, you know what? Y you are crazy because <laughs> you continue to take these ridiculous bumps. Brian, it makes no sense to me that you continue to take these bumps. You're going to hurt yourself. And I'm not trying to be like this old school wrestling fan telling you that guys shouldn't fly around. But, man, you're, you're on dynamite. And you're in, it's not even pay-per-view, and you're, he almost knocked himself out off of the ladder yesterday. And I just feel like, hey, man, you could do less and still get over. But he's doing everything he can and lost the championship yesterday. So uh, it's, I think that that's very intriguing that Sammy Guevara and the, and the TNT championship is kind of like the hot potato title now. Let's quickly well, go I back to Wardlow, because I want to go back to Wardlow, because I know you took him, Brian. Mm -hmm. Do you think th the thought, and I want to hear both your guys' thoughts on this. So, I mean, yes, Wardlow's incredibly over. So now you're thinking, okay, is he the champ? Could he potentially be a champion? So it makes me think, okay, would it be best if they push MJ off versus Wardlow? Can they find a way to push that off where MJF can, you know, Punk loses the championship, MJF goes over of Hangman Adam Page, and now MJF has it going into, let's say, All Out, Labor Day weekend. Can you can you have that feud go all the way to early September and then have Wardlow go over MJF for the title? Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a long time. He's so over right now that I wonder if you have to strike while the iron's hot. Like, the MJF payoff's going to be great, but do you somehow hotshot it right now? He is so over. Like, I go back to Orlando, and that pay-per-view, the two biggest pops of the night were him winning the, 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 the brass ring and then him turning on MJF. And now I think about what that pop would be of him winning the title. The only concern there is you go back to when Hangman won the title. It was an amazing pop. But since then, like I talked about last week, I feel like it's been sort of subpar. So I guess to go against myself, I would wait a little bit longer. But right now, it's pretty cool to see how over he is. I think at some point this year, if not early next year, you got to think about him being the champion. And I just think that when you hear the roar of the crowd, hey, all three of us have been in an arena when Wardlow comes out. It's pretty impressive. As I told you before, when, the, uh, when Dynamite came to Orlando, how he talked about his life, talked about how it was, he was with his, his mom. And, it, and she was a single mother and how they didn't have much money and how he came through life through lean means. And now look at him now in a position where he's a star on AEW TV. I think that promo he gave where he was himself, 
I think that that in, he was very endearing to the audience to the point where I think he could be over. I, I, I think that he could be champion and people would pay to see him. I think the other thing to consider from last night, guys, you talked about that TNT title. We talked about it last week and how the Scorpio face turn sort of didn't work. It was working last night. Like, right before he won, before Sammy did that jump onto that ladder, that place was loud, and I was sort of surprised by that. And I wonder how much of that has to do with him just being on the other side of Sammy and how hated he is. But I was sort of impressed by how over he was last night. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a big chunk of it probably has to do with the amount that Sammy's hated and the amount that people wanted to see Sammy drop that TNT championship once again. And, man, I, I hope that this feud is more or less over. I know they've promised a mixed tag match and we're yeah. going to get that at some point. But I hope that the one-on-one -on -one battles between Sammy and Scorpio are over. We know that Frankie Kazarian is indeed next in line since that was promised to him for that TNT championship. So at least we'll have some more one-on-one uh, -on -one matches uh, in the interim. Um, anything else that stood out from last night's uh, AEW Dynamite for you guys? I know personally, I'll, I'll spoil it right now when we talk about our favorite match of the week. Dax and Cash is going to be my favorite match of the week. It was a lot of fun to watch. Two guys that know each other so well. And AEW, to me, does such a great job of opening the show with a very good wrestling match. Um, we also got a tease. Let's go ahead and pick, speaking of Wardlow's, we got a tease <laughs> that we're going to see Big Cass as the next opponent, as the next big guy, the next monster that MJF is going to pay to come into AEW to try to teach Wardlow a lesson. Is that something you are excited for next week? Big Cass versus Wardlow. Um, well, excuse me. He's going by a W. Uh, Morrissey. And if, I apologize. Uh, a W. Morrissey. Uh, because, and by the way, it's be good to see Big Cass you know, like, you know, in, on a wrestling show where people can watch. So, uh, so, so now, so, 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 so no, it's, it, it, what's interesting is, is that um, W. Morrissey is protected very well in Impact when I read. Uh, I understand, like, he's going through the competition big time. So, for a guy that's going through the competition big time Impact and, and to maybe lose on AEW TV, I don't know if that's bad for business for Impact. I don't know what that means, but the guy's been apparently on a roll. And now he's going to be brought in here. Uh, and I love the tease by MJF because he can't teach that. Well, and I thought let that me that throw this awesome. in there, Jay. What if they go through that whole thing and they do that you can't teach that? And it's not him. And it's just some other big dude. And it's just to get MJF some more heat. What, it, what do you think is Enzo? Think of Enzo's <laughs> if Sing, Sing comes out and he's the one that gets fed to war. I mean, just someone else. It's just some random big dude. Like, that'd be a good way to get some more heat. I think it should be Enzo. I think that okay. just, just for the heat, it should be Enzo. How you doing? How you doing? Moving the head around. Just like, what is this little guy doing here? I guess, I mean, that'd be great. Man, I swerve, bro. Oh, man. Yeah. Just to see him get powerbombed like seven times. Yeah, I think that'd be worth it. I would personally enjoy seeing that. Um, uh, let, me, let me ask you this, Gabe. Let me ask okay. you this. Just real quick. Did you think that Sky would win uh, at AEW? Did you believe that he was going to win on Dynamite? I did not. I did not. Just because they, they'd hot shot at the title back and forth already so many times, you know, with Sky winning. And then, again, they've, they've done that a couple of times with Sammy where he wins it, and then he lost it right away to Cody, and then he won it back. And then he loses right away, but then he wins it back, and now he loses it again. So they've just kind of done the seesaw thing with Sammy in, in the TNT title. I just figured that they, he would win it, move on as a heel champion, and, and they would give – 
you know, a, a younger, you know, somebody younger to try to chase him down. But I'm glad, I'm glad personally, I'm glad it worked out this way because I do want to see the former SCU boys face off for the TNT championship. I think that's going to be a good dynamite or uh, rampage match coming up on a, on a Wednesday or a Friday. Well, to your point, Gabe, it feels like the title change at Battle of the Belts was just to have a title change there. That, like, eventually we would have gone this round. They're like, oh, well, we need to have something on this card because they did the world title match on Rampage the night before, and it was just sort of just like, hey, this is a big show. Look, anything can happen. Yeah, and they weren't yeah. going to hot shot the, the women's title, right? Like, that right. was on Battle of the Belts. You weren't going to have um, Thunder Rosa drop it that early. And because they've done this, you know, hot potato thing with the TNT championship, I guess they felt more comfortable going that direction. You two would have had Nick Camarado's little wrestling buddy or wrestling doll when you were a child. I can't believe that that guy is not a monster and actually a viable wrestler in this company. When I see him, I'm like, dude, in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, that would have been a guy, right? He would have been a contender, like a big, scary dude like that. And he's just a, a nothing. He must he, I, Clearly, he can't work. Because otherwise, that guy would be a strong contender. When I saw him in that uh, that six-man match with uh, QT Marshall, Solo, Camarado against Yuta Danielson and Moxley, I'm thinking – I kept looking at Camarado, and I'm thinking – He's a big dude. This guy's not a monster. Like, how come that guy isn't over? Like, okay, I guess he can't work. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be something. Because you do – there is something where there has to be a certain work rate that you have in order to work in, in AEW versus WWE, right? Which is why when Singh came out a couple of weeks ago and he's not moving all that great and he's the 7-2 guy and you're going, uh, <laughs> is this their Omos? Is this, that's not going to work here. And he has redeemed himself. But I think that's part of the reason why so many people cringed when we saw him just grab onto the skull and, and crush someone's skull. Because you're going, that's, you're going to need to do more than that in this wrestling company. And again, we'll have to wait and see if, if he can do more, but there has to be a certain work rate. If you want to be a certain level in AEW, it's just uh, the way it works. Uh, the double claw. That's always the worst. <laughs> the smushing of the face. It's the worst. Especially if you've got a migraine. All right, so that's a, a nice little recap of Dynamite, which uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Eddie Kingston because, again, I, I texted this to you guys last night. There's, there's an element when Eddie speaks and especially gets going in a promo battle. It's still real, he'll, it's still real to him, damn it. And yep. I am very excited to watch him get his hands on Chris Jericho and kick the, kick the crap out of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Let's get to number right. two in the yep. three count. All right, guys, Becky Lynch on Drew, Drew Garibald Live was asked about the AEW women's division and said, quote, I don't think they're represented the way we are. They don't get as much time as we get, and frankly, they're not as good as we are. So, guys, does the AEW women's division need an overhaul? I don't think it needs an overhaul. It just needs a better push than what it got, what it's currently getting, I should say. So let's just go back to the exercise we did at the beginning of the show. Did any of you, did any of us consider taking – an AEW women's wrestler. I, know I had I Britt's not. name written, but it wasn't a strong consideration. Yeah, I had I, I had th I have Thunder Rosa and, on my list, and I had Serena Deeb on my list, but it was you know as part of the twenty names I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, we only did four, you know, so we're only taking twelve wrestlers. But we only took, you know, ultimately I took Becky and Jay Hood took Sasha Banks, like. 
And the next people that I would consider, I would consider Charlotte Flair. I would get, you know, like most of the top Bailey. wrestlers. Yeah, Bailey, who's been out with her ACL injury. Most of the top women's wrestlers are indeed in WWE. And maybe it's a little unfair to kind of compare what we saw last night on Dynamite to what we saw Monday night on Raw, because Raw has the extra hour, therefore the extra time to potentially showcase. Um, they do have the two extra hours per week. But Dynamite last night, we got Thunder Rosa standing there, not did not say anything in a backstage segment. We got um, Sheeta versus Serena Deeb, which was a fun match, a Philly street yes, fight was. match, which was a lot of fun to watch last night. And then we got a very quick... Uh, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter with Ruby Riot coming in. Like it was 30 to 45 second backstage promo. That's not a lot. It's not a lot of featuring of your women over the course of the two hours where Raw, we had the Raw Women's Championship match that ended up being dragged out a while because Sonya Deville kept on cheating. Uh, but you had two more women that became involved in that match. You had T Tamina and Dana. Granted, it's a comedy angle, but they're still featured on TV in a mixed tag match. You had a Lynch promo with an Oscar return mixed in there with a Rhea Ripley interview. So there was a lot going on for the women on Raw. Now, again, I, maybe it's a little unfair to compare that, but my guess is even if you were to add what they do Friday night on Rampage for AEW and whatever happens there, which I believe they have a six-woman tag match and that's going to be it for the women in that one hour on Friday. So compare uh, Dynamite and Rampage, that three hours compared to Monday Night Raw, my guess is that the women in WWE are getting more time if you were to go, um, you know, get out the stopwatch and time at all. So I don't think Lynch is wrong here. Well, I think that some of the stuff that she says is right, and I think some is, is unfair. And here's what I mean. So we have to remember what the WWE women's division was like not too long ago, where you had to have a push on Twitter to tell people, hey, give the women a chance because they weren't given a, a chance. It was brawn panties. It was humiliation for the women. I mean, some of the best women that we saw, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they only had four or five minutes in the ring. So it took a movement for the women to be able to get going. I think people look at AEW and think that they should be far superior than WWE when they're not even five years old yet as a company, not even three years old yet as a company. I think it's completely unfair when people look at AEW and say, well, you know, your women's division should be on par with the women. Well, it can't be on par with the WWE because they got a head start. Look at the look at the talent of the WWE. Look how long it took for Becky Lynch to get to where she was. People forget that she was a mid-card wrestler. Okay, so until she was able to turn mid-card wrestler making bad puns and eating quinoa. Like that's what well, that right. was like her gimmick. It wasn't a very well, good gimmick. Right. I mean, so be, so now because of the movement, you get Charlotte, you get Bianca Belair. You, Ronda Rousey is part of this mix. Sasha Banks, who we talked about earlier. Natalia is one of the goats. I think that to, she's underrated still, and she's been in the company forever. Rhea Ripley, misused. Naomi, in and out. Dewdrop, who was very good in the UK, still trying to find her footing here. But on the other side for AEW, it's, you, know, you have Tony Storm, who's, to me, one of the top 10 wrestlers in the world as far as women's division, because she's proved it overseas. The WWF run didn't work. The WWE run didn't work. But there's Britt Baker, there's Thunder Rosa, there's Serena Deeb, there's Sheeta, Jamie Hayter, there's Ruby Soho, um, and Nyla. So, yeah, it's going to take time for the women's division to be able to come together. But ultimately, you hit it on the head, Gabe. It's about booking. 
ultimately it's about booking. It, it's like the scattershot booking from Tony Khan sometimes. I know book, Booker of the Year, you know, according to Wrestling Observer. But the point is, though, is that if you want the women's division to get work in here, you have got to be able to give them time. Now, listen, I'll give AEW credit. One of the best women's matches I saw was at the end of last year, that bloody street fight with Ty Conti, Anna Jay, Penelope Ford, uh, and the Bunny. That was tremendous. But here's the question. What happened to them? You think after that match, and they got so much acclaim on social media, and that was a show, that was a match that was on Rampage. What happened to those four? Are they elevated to the title picture? No, they're not. So, so what happened there? Well, that's the thing. I think that's the perfect point there. Like, AEW, like, Britt became a star. Like, Britt, like, Punk mentions, like, she's one of the pillars, like we've talked about before. They've done a good job of building up others, but then it just ends. Like, Ty Conte got built up as a legit title contender. Then she loses, she's gone. Statlander got built up as a legit title contender. She loses, and then she's gone. Like, it's just carrying that stuff on and what to do with it after. Like, Jade is being built into a star. Friday didn't really work. Like, I know they were trying to make a big deal about 30 and, you know, Push and Shafir there. But, like, that didn't really work. The crowd wasn't into it. Jade's a star. Like, it's impressive what Jade Cargill has done. They've built her into a star. Britt's a star. Thunder Rosa is a star. So they're doing it slowly but surely. And the other advantage WWE had is all these women we mentioned, that whole division that was built up, it got built up under the NXT umbrella. Do you really think we would have seen that same buildup if they all were on the WWE from the get-go? If NXT 2.0 was the thing, we wouldn't have seen Bailey and Sasha main eventing and doing Iron Man matches. So they have that head start as well. So AEW has shown those flashes, but they're just not quite there yet. And I agree with Jay Hood. It takes some time. It, it does take some time. And because AEW is so new, I mean, Tony Khan is still a very green booker. You just yes. mentioned that. He is very green. He is still learning. It took the WWE a while to, you know, with, with some of these women's matches, and, and I would even say this would be kind of at the height of, of some of the, these women's matches that we've seen with the four horsewomen in the WWE, that outside of the women's matches – you weren't seeing a lot of feuds, like individual feuds, like outside of the, excuse me, outside of the women's championship matches yeah. and, and those feuds. Like, but we're, we're clearly going to be getting Becky Lynch versus Asuka in a non-title feud. Like that's going to be something that's happening separate with whatever's going to happen with Bianca Belair on Monday Night Raw. I think the fact that Sasha Banks is involved once again with the tag team championships, which the WWE sometimes forgets about that their own women's tag team champions, but because Sasha's involved with that, that kind of helps that and that will push it along. So because they have those four horsewomen, they can rely back as stars. They can find ways to push them. But again, WWE is not perfect in this either because Alexa bliss. I, I really like what Alexa bliss brings to the table. They take her, they, they put her away for a while. They bring her back for elimination chamber and then she disappears again. Like they don't have anything for Alexa bliss, who is a multiple time champion and has done, I think a pretty good job when she's on television. So they, they still haven't figured out anything for her. So it's, it's finding that balance of, okay, how do we generate these feuds outside of the title picture? And the only one that AEW has really done was the one we saw last night. Because Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida has been going on for maybe the yeah. entire run that AEW <laughs> yeah. has been going on. But it's a yeah. fight forever situation, right? Like anytime those two go, I know it's going to be a good match. Like the only the only thing that stands out in terms of somebody constantly being featured was Serena Deeb. 
and the professor beat the clock five minute challenge that she would have on Friday nights on dynamite. And that's the only gimmick that outside of the championships, they've really had a, a, a they've had success in pushing. Well, I'll ask and, you guys and, this. when it comes and, to the women's division, if, if we did not have the TBS title, do you think we look at it different? So Jade's angle is exactly the same. She's 30. No, she's undefeated. She's running through people, but she doesn't have a title. Does that change things for you guys? Uh, I, I think so. Um, you know, this is one of those situations where the title's making Jade Cargill. She's not making the title. Okay. It's funny thing about her matches, too. I saw that match on Rampage against Shafir. <laughs> you ever watch a Jade Cargill match and, and you ever see that she never sweats? She's never in trouble. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. I watched it very closely the other day, and I was just like, you know, as a heel, and she wants all the smoke, by the way. I yeah. mean, you see her, if you follow her on Twitter, she wants the hate. She loves it. She wants it, right? But when she's in trouble, when the other person's on offense, she never sweats. She doesn't ever, she never looks like, she never sells. She's, yeah. she's always in control. And it's kind of like, okay, if you're that powerful, you know, um, Jade Cargill Berg, if that's who you are, like, <laughs> at some point, you're going to get beat, right? At some point, yeah, I mean, and it's just like, I watch that match, I'm like, she's with the, she's with her, her uh, people outside. What, what's the name of her group outside? The, the baddies. Uh, the baddies. The baddies. I yeah. mean, she's out there, and she's, she's posing, and I'm just like, man, she's so green. And she knows that she's green, but it's just kind of funny, just like, will you ever be in trouble? Are you ever, are you ever in peril? Are you ever in pain? I guess the answer is no, because he's 30 and 0. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, but yeah, I think, well, I, but I, I think the ultimate thing with Becky is, yes, I think she has some very fair criticisms. And I think this has been a criticism of AEW since the get-go. But I think, I, I think that they are doing a good job because Thunder Rosa, to me, has become, she has gotten over. Britt Baker has gotten over. Um, so I, I think they're doing it. It just takes time. Like you can't just go, okay, here are some four stars. Here are four stars that we are going to present to you. Like that doesn't work to wrestling fans either. You can't be shoving people down their throat because the, the wrestling fans are going to reject that. What, what, why, why was she, you know, I, I'd love to know the context of the question. Why is she talking about AEW? This is not WrestleMania season. Like, like right. it's funny because the edict used to be never, never pay attention to the other organization. Never talk about anything outside the WWE universe. Like, why is she talking Breaking Bad on AEW wrestlers? Why does that matter to her? Yeah, that is true. I mean, I think it was Seth Rollins that said, like, oh, like, it's so, like, I forget the word he used, but he basically criticized AEW guys for mentioning WWE guys. So, like, that is a little weird. And I think, you know, part of it's obviously her in character, but she's also not wrong with what some of she's saying. And then to Gabe's point about some of the stars they've made, do they get credit for Ty being, you know, a top heel right now, or is that all goes to Sammy? Um, I mean, 75% of it goes to Sammy, right? Okay. Because she's like, she hasn't said anything. She's just shown her tongue on television. Like that's all she's done to become a heel. Like that's what she's done. She, yeah, you see what's happening, Brian. Gabe's not going to give her more than 25% because she's hot. hot. (laughs) What has she done? Like she, has she said anything in this entire like heel turn? Uh, I feel like I've heard her talk, but nothing that I can remember in the slightest. No, like, no, she doesn't say much. She doesn't say much, and it's fine. I mean, it's it's just interesting because I'm hoping that Sammy understands, man. You don't have to have all those bumps. I don't want him on Dark right. Side of the Ring anytime soon. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's very, very fair. All right, let's, all, let's get to number three. 
in the three count. What do we got? All right, guys. Monday night, the WWE celebrated Randy Orton's 20-year career. So, guys, what is Randy Orton's legacy? I think it's a legacy of underappreciation because he's been in the WWE for so long. He's he's one of the top guys, but he's never been the top guy. I mean, he's won championships, but like in his heyday, John Cena was the number one star in WWE. Yes, they had a long rivalry, probably that went on a little too long. When you wrestle each other five consecutive pay-per-views, it's probably a little much. But um, I think he's somebody that has always been relied upon. And because of his past, he was able to, I mean, he wasn't doing much and then became that instant heel right before the Yeselmania when, when Daniel Bryan won. You know, when Daniel Bryan won the initial championship, I think it was at SummerSlam, and Triple H is the special guest referee, and Orton comes out with the money in the bank, he cashes in, and they, can, they, could, have, they could do that with somebody like Randy Orton because he's there. But he's also versatile, like what we're seeing right now with RK-Bro. I mean, he's done some different tag team stuff, you know, um, rated RKO when he tagged with, with Edge. So he's been such a versatile performer, who's always been there. Sometimes he slides to the background and understands, hey, this is where I need to be. But he, he, was, he can always be that guy that WWE can heat up like that and he can be ready for a, a WWE championship match. Like if he ends up being the next guy, if, if they end up losing uh, their tag team championships to the Usos and then he ends up being the next guy to challenge Roman Reigns, nobody's going to blink an eye at it. In fact, I think people are going to look forward to it. It's going to be a fun match. But because of Randy Orton and who he's been in the number of championships that he's won, he can be that guy for WWE. Guys, when I first saw Randy Orton, my initial thought was, he'll never be as good as his dad, Bob. He'll never be as good as the ace cowboy, Bob Orton. Because, because uh, Ace Orton was about high, high spots, too. He was a high spots wrestler. You know what his high spot was? Superplex. That was his high spots. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, as a kid, as I was watching it, I'm like, Wow, that was a superplex <laughs> off off the top rope. That's crazy. No one does that, right? And then you come to find out that Randy has surpassed his dad in a big way. Um, and this is like in his first year. I said, yep, he's better than Bob. He's much better than Bob. And so, you know what I've always – there's three things that stand out to me about Randy Orton, guys. Steady pace, old school, smooth. Those so three smooth. things – so smooth. To the, to the point where you watch him and it's just like everything he does is perfect. And I know that that could be the detriment for some wrestlers. Shout out to Dolph Ziggler. But for Randy Orton, though, it's, it's really something that I looked at and I, looked, I was going back through his matches. His matches against John Cena were great. Go back if you have not seen 2009 Bragging Rights, a 60-minute Iron Man match against John Cena. He took John Cena to 60 minutes, which is... Uh, almost impossible because Cena's not a 60-minute man. He's more like 20, and, and 25 is pushing it. Uh, his match against uh, Triple H at No Mercy, very good. Uh, I think Cactus Jack, may, he may not have had a WrestleMania moment, but he had a backlash moment with uh, Randy Orton. If you remember all the thumbtacks, that's back in 2004. But I just want to just say that, like, I had a love-hate relationship with Randy Orton. And it wasn't because of him, guys. It's because of bad creative. You're in one company for 20 years. There's gonna, there shouldn't be bad creative, but there was. And I thought there were some times where I thought that Randy was unmotivated by some of the matches that he had. He's a legend killer. He's done so many things. But in the, in the, back in the day, 
one wrestler will not stay in a company for 20 years. It's hard to try to find everything, you know, for one wrestler for 20 years. Usually back in the day, you be there for five years and then you go away to some other territory. Then you come back fresh, you know, but he's been there the entire time. But hats off to him for a great career. I think he was genuine, Brian, in that promo in Knoxville when he said he's having a great time. I think he is. I know yeah. he'd, rather, he'd probably rather be a single, but I just know that he's having a great time being part of this tag team here. And you know what? He's been a great wrestler for the WWE for the last 20 years. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, to me, the favorite stuff for me was his early part. Like, it was Evolution. It was the Legend Killer. It was all that stuff. Like, it's still memorable Evolution turning on him. I got bored of him the last few years. I think I'm, you know, falling back in love with, like, how fun it is. And I think you genuinely see that. To me, though, the legacy is elite guy who isn't the top guy. So, you know, we've talked about football a little bit with being draft night stuff. Like, to me, he's sort of that Drew Brees. You're a Hall of Famer. You're an MVP. You're a champion. But you're not Peyton. You're not Brady. You're not Rodgers. Or, you know, to the wrestling standpoint where sort of a Triple H, I guess. Like, you're not Austin on the Rock. You're not branching through and breaking through that pop culture. But you're a top guy. and You're top in terms of the wrestling world. So, to me, he's always there's someone above him. Which, to your point, Jay Hood, I agree. Like, maybe it's not his fault, creative and things like that. But it is cool to see someone for that long and to see him sort of get his shine, even though there were little things Monday that annoyed the hell out of me. Like, someone like Veer being ringside for that and clapping it up. Like, oh, this is great. Like, that is the worst. And that drives me crazy. But it is nice that he sort of got his flowers on Monday. Didn't really need to take out Veer like that. I mean, just come on. You don't need to be there for that. But what yes. Gabe, you, you, Gabe, you saw that though, right? Did you oh, see Oh, 100%. This? Yes. Of course I saw it. I was watching <laughs> on Monday. I saw it happen. Yes. What, hold on a second. Was it, a second. Was it weird? Was it awkward? Of course it was. <laughs> well, just like, well, okay, you're built up as this, you're, you're built up as this big, huge heel all these months. Well, he's a scary guy. It's beer. And then when Randy walks past him, he goes, Hey, Randy, great career. Thanks to, yeah. nice to meet you. I say, I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the big scary guy? What happened to that? I'm like, you know what? They've lost the plot, this company. I yep. swear to God. Like, that, <laughs> like, 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 Veer shouldn't have been out there. No, he shouldn't have been out there. No, he well, should okay, not have been. So, so in 2022, 2022 Undertaker, like, he just got to the company. Undertaker, big scary guy, he comes out there. He'd be out there at ringside and say, hey, congratulations, kid. I mean, yeah. really great job. I mean, that's what he would be in 2022. Veer, yeah, you do all this, and he's just like a regular guy that's like some schmo. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. thing was a, a little awkward that that eventually led to the 10-man tag, I think is, or no, 8-man tag that they yeah. ended up having on uh, on Monday Night Raw to close out the show, which was actually kind of a fun match. But, uh, yeah. but I think Randy Orton, quickly, let's go around. Does Randy Orton – win a WWE or Universal Championship the rest of his career? Uh, yes. Yes as well. All right. I, I will and well, I guess here's another one. Is it against Cena? Like somehow do we have one more Cena or title match? <laughs> I don't want to see that again. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to see that again. Yeah. I don't want to see that again. Like, it, like you want to take on Roman? You want to try that? And see and try your luck there. Like first of all, first of all, Randy has to be a heel. Uh, I don't think he's comfortable being a babyface. He's good with the smile now. I remember when he was. He's been a babyface and heel. He had so many turns. He, yeah. I mean, he might be able to be the Big Show. I mean, he's had. But this, <laughs> well, that's what I happens when you, crazy here. I mean, pretty close. Pretty close. It's, I mean, the Big Show's turned like three times since we started the podcast. So. <laughs> 
it's Paul Orndorff, Big Show, and like Randy Orton is right there. Right? Like, seriously, it's like, but this is what happens though when you're in a company for 20 years. You're like a whole bunch of different personalities, right? But I, I think the heel turns coming, uh, and then once that happens, I'd like for him to take on Roman. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Well, let me throw one more at you about Orton. Any chance that's flipped, any chance it's Riddle that turns, and we see Orton as a baby face and eventually take on Roman that way. I say no, just because I can't see Riddle as a cold, calculated baby face. Um, I think he kind of is who he is with how he looks. He's got to play that character. Um, unless they're going to like shave his hair and cut off his you know, beard and go Ezekiel and call him something else. I have no idea. Call him uh, Matthew Riddle? Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't I see. I don't know. I, I cannot see Riddle as a, as a heel, especially against Randy Orton. I don't know, guys. They did it to, to Nikki A.S.H. You never know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, that's they, true. Like, they can turn yeah. A.S.H. They and can man, turn when anybody. You, when you turn Nikki A.S.H. and you and you turn Rhea Ripley, anybody can turn in that company because <laughs> it's a heel factory, the Nobody's, WWE. Nobody is safe. All right, that concludes it for our three count. But before we say goodbye this week on GKW, we're going to talk about our favorite matches of the week. And I mentioned mine earlier, Cash versus Dash. It was a one-time only. They started AEW Dynamite off with it yesterday. And you you sent us a text earlier today, Jay Hood, where you point the, uh, somebody on, online had pointed out that there were some tips of the cap to some, uh, you know, some of their favorite wrestlers throughout the course of the match. Yes, and this is something that we could get into regarding dedication matches. And listen, I don't recognize them right away. When Dax Harwood took on Cash Wheeler, I didn't know that that was a tip of the cap to Bret Hart against – I lost it now. Bret Hart – Owen. Uh, and, and, and Bret Hart and Owen from WrestleMania 10, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't and there were some it, Razor elements also. Some like Bret and Razor stuff, I believe, was working there as well. The people on, on wrestling Twitter know how to be able to put side-by-side Dax and Cash <laughs> – against Owen and Brett, and, the, and it was move for move. And I'm so like, I, I, but you know what, Gabe? I know that they're watching an AEW. I know they're doing that because here's how I know. We just saw Dustin Rhodes against CM Punk. That was the exact same match as Brett against Goldust. In the w, and they did that side by side too. So I don't know how I feel about dedication matches. I mean, I don't need to know that's a dedication match, but I thought that in AEW for sure, we're seeing step for step the same holes, the same moves. And it's cool. It didn't spoil it for me because I thought Dax and Cash were really cool and the Philadelphia audience really appreciated it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's such a small percentage of people that are recognizing this. Like, oh, I saw this match 30 years ago. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, to me, the little things I did notice, like, I loved. Like, I loved the Heart Foundation gear. I love the two of them coming out together as a team, which, you know, you never see something like that. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, I assume these are different callbacks. But, like, that all was over my head. When you see it side by side, it's like, oh, this is almost a spitting image. But it doesn't change it at all for me. Like, that was a fun match. That was, without a doubt, the best match of the week. To me, that means – to me, the, the, the tribute matches, it's for the guys that are pulling it off. And if it makes them happy, yeah. go for it. Because, again, I'm, not gonna, I'm with Jay Hood. I'm not going to recognize it. I'm not going to recognize it as it <laughs> happened. I certainly didn't recognize it as it was happening last night. And it's cool to see when you go back, you know, that, oh, hey, that was, you know, that, hey, nice little tribute, you know, for, I mean, and these guys love the Hart Foundation. They love, especially Bret Hart. They've talked about it so much. So to, to be able to tip your cap to the past, like, 
that's always cool. If you can do it, go for it. I don't have a problem with it. Um, does anybody else have any other matches other than Dax versus Cash as a match of the week? Jed? I do. Um, and by the way, make sure that you're recording this, Rowitz, and everybody else watching. Uh, Monday Night Raw was actually pretty good. And you'll it never was. hear me say that again. Uh, but that was that was a nice Raw, as a matter of fact. And I will give Cody Rhodes, Ezekiel, RK Bro, against Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and the Usos a lot of credit. That's a match, as you guys know, that's a match when Raw is over. And then that's the dark match, yeah. right? That's not – like, you know, and that was actually on T. I really got a kick out of that match. I thought it was good. And I think it's because of – um, of Randy Orton and how he was able to get the pinfall and people felt good about Randy Orton his 20 years. Uh, I'm out of everything I saw and dynamite was fantastic. Rampage last Friday was really good. Um, in, in spots. I think that that was my match of the week. Quite frankly, I thought that for once raw paid and delivered in the main event. So I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, raw actually sneakily, maybe not Snow Sneakily, has been better than SmackDown on the WWE side because mm-hmm. SmackDown, I believe this is now going to be the fourth week in a row tomorrow night, is going to be running a Sami Zayn versus Drew McIntyre match. So, they've, you know, SmackDown has been pretty much just reruns for the past, uh, for the past four weeks where Raw, and maybe it's just the infusion of having Cody Rhodes there, having Ezekiel, it seems they got a little bit more of that infusion, not the typical Raw after WrestleMania, but some new talent there. And, and also, you know, SmackDown doesn't have like a main event storyline right now. No, they, nope. well, that's a ha- well because there's no Roman and no Brock, right? And so, but you, but it, with planning, that should you should already know, like in six months after WrestleMania, what you're doing, and now it's flat because there's no Brock there. So, but you know, if if you build up your stars, then this wouldn't be a problem. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. <laughs> so one other one one note, Gabe, before we go, one note okay. and. Let's be the first to be on this, okay? Maybe other shows have been on this, but I want that I want that uh, Good Karma Wrestling to be on this as well. For AEW fans, the story came out not too long ago that, of course, uh, Variety reported that Warner Brothers and Discovery is taking over TBS and TNT, uh, taking over the Warner Media stuff. They are going to shut down the scripted television and series development shows. Okay, so as we know, AEW is on Turner Broadcasting, TBS and TNT. Now, there's going to there are there are budget cuts. Warner Brothers Discovery cuts TBS and TNT scripted television. How that affects AEW? We got to keep our eyes on that. All I know is this: Did you notice uh, this past Wednesday? Not a lot of swearing, a lot of a lot of middle fingers. But where's the swearing the last couple of weeks? Just understand that everybody wants it, wants the Attitude Era, and they want how it was back in the day 20 years ago. I think AEW is going to start cleaning up their act because they don't want to be taken off television. We love wrestling, but does Warner Brothers Discovery, do they love wrestling? WCW went through the same thing before where they were doing well in the Attitude Era. They were doing great in the NWO era. And all of a sudden, a new company comes in and everything got cleaned up. It wasn't even the same product. Let's see whether or not that Warner Brothers in three years is going to want wrestling on their platform. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's certainly something that I saw, Jay Hood, and it's certainly something that made me a little bit nervous uh, as just a fan of professional wrestling. Because having more professional wrestling as a wrestling fan, whether you prefer AEW, whether you prefer WWE, more pro wrestling is always a good thing if you are a pro wrestling fan. It gives more opportunities for everybody. 
but we'll definitely keep on our eye on that going forward. Uh, by the way, uh, somebody believes that uh, Jay Hood won our draft. All the teams were good, but Hood had the better mix. So you get a little love there, Jay Hood, for our <laughs> draft. If you happen to miss that earlier, you can listen to it back on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, just search for Good Karma Wrestling. Plenty of wrestling to watch Friday, Monday, Wednesday, whenever you watch it. We'll be talking about it right here next Thursday on GKW. What channel is Impact? 